Hi, I'm Meredith. And I'm Kristen. We want to welcome you to The Writer's Story. Um, And this is a little odd for us because normally we do this side by side and travel to each other's houses. Our guests call in, but um, we're staring at each other and using Zoom. (laughs) I've got the gallery view thing, so we we look like we're side by side, but um, Meredith looks a lot better than me. I just... (laughs) (laughs) so thanks for bearing with us during this COVID-19 crisis because here we are coming to y'all talking about writing during a pandemic so yeah so that is our subject for today writing during a pandemic we had um, attempted to get a guest this month and I hope uh, we'll do better next month but um, everyone is so distracted Um, I think it seems like we should have so much time um, yes. to do stuff and instead you know our brains are I mean you know and I and I have to also say I'm one of the very fortunate people who is not a sick B doesn't have anyone in my family who's sick and Same. you know and 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 I'm not dealing with you know all the issues with chronic unemployment and and, and everything so I feel incredibly lucky at the same time I do feel incredibly it's it's very hard to focus I think. Yes. Yeah. This is a time when I have had to either be physically active or, um, well, or I'm just constantly updating my newsfeed, find out whatever is the latest around this crisis. But um, I have been able some days and sometimes to get some work done, but it has had to be with an intention to turn off the the news and and tune in to the work before me. I think it's also as you you said, there's this sense that we should have all the time in the world because we're all home and we're not commuting to jobs and so on and so forth. But somehow the days are evaporating with um, I don't know what all, but but um, I'm happy to say writing is some of it for me. But tell me about your writing. <laughs> well, or not, uh, or not writing. Yeah. So um, uh, when we last talked, I uh, was heading off to Egypt, <laughs> yes. oh <laughs> which 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 now probably sounded like a, would have sounded like a horrible idea. <laughs> It was the days BC before, before COVID nineteen. Exactly, and I learned. I did hear a lot about BC <laughs> in Egypt. I had a wonderful time and and managed to avoid getting a virus. I was on the Nile on a boat, which makes people gasp. Like you know, <laughs> the Nile is giving you COVID nineteen. Um, but I spent a lot of time with my mother for better or for worse, we, we got on each other's nerves only a little bit. And, um, but it was a really wonderful break for me. And I think I really needed that mentally, um, and probably physically just, I needed to, uh, get away from regular life and sort of think a lot. I did a lot of journaling. Yeah. Um, but you know, the anxiety about COVID-19 was already, um, on us on the trip. Um, and we were supposed to fly back through Italy, which became a level three country. So we changed our tickets. So I do feel like there was a little bit of a distraction. So you're sort of looking at amazing 
um, <laughs> yeah. ancient Egyptian art, but at the same time you're thinking, huh, a plague, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, dead people, a grave, oh no, <laughs> it's coming. So, um, but I think getting into journaling, um, I came, when I came back, there was a something I read and it said, we should be writing all this down. We should be writing yes. about what's happening to us. And although I feel a very little desire to either write or read uh, some kind of virus novel right now, <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I do think writing down our personal feelings and what our experiences are because it is nothing like we have walked through some sort of space-time continuum yes and yeah. many things are the same but many things are not yes and yeah. so there's a new normal and and so i think writing down i don't yes. know are you are you doing any journaling uh only a tiny bit i but i think it is really um valuable for folks to do that. So anyone out there who is inclined to do so, jotting down, yeah, like you said, some of the feelings, but also just the logistics of your day are gonna be really, well, I think it's just good to do anyway yeah. during this time, but those are the, that's the gold for researchers of the future. Yeah. You know, my other life as an academic, having those having any insight into the ordinary days of people from other times and places is just gold yeah and i have i do have a friend a writer friend um who has been keeping a kind of COVID 19 journal and i thought that that is just really valuable and it can take different shapes you know it, it doesn't have to be uh kind of detailed narrative of the day or something like that, but little snippets of experience, observations, and it could be, you know, a little bit of po a poem or something if you're inclined to to write in a lyrical style. I think, you know, that that's, that's really great. I've been thinking about these meals I've been making, and I feel like you're so lucky to not have to worry about some of the most basic things. Like you, Meredith, I'm so lucky I'm not sick and neither is anyone in my immediate family. But the fear is there too, you know, going to the grocery store or doing an errand of any kind that puts you in any kind of proximity to other people, much less contact, is fraught. And that's so new. Mm -hmm. So writing some of those kinds of things down, but. But yeah, I was thinking about just practical stuff like meals. For one thing, our meal times have just kind of evaporated. We sort of eat when we're, our, I, the day doesn't have the same kind of clock to it as um, in other circumstances. Although I know they say it's important to keep a schedule. I do go to sleep in the evening at some point, and I wake up in the morning at some point. That is a, a crapshoot. I forwarded um, a helpful email from um, HR that said, you should dress like you're going to the office, and it will give you a sense of normalcy. <laughs> and I said, oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> One of the benefits is it, you can walk around in socks. Yeah, I um, 
I've been loving some of the little, they almost, it's almost poetic sometimes, the, the, sort of the tweets and stuff that people wrote, but I remember someone wrote something and it said, my shoes must think that I've died. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I thought, wow, you're just imagining your shoes sitting around and saying, haven't seen her in a while. <laughs> I wonder if she's coming back. Yeah. <laughs> oh uh, well, we have kept a schedule. Um, we've kept a sense of normalcy um, as much as we can with a teenager who does not get up at a regular hour, does not go to school. Um, but uh, but my husband and I are both working from home, and so we sort of have this thing of we should probably be sitting at a computer and working around nine and knocking off around five. And but I say the rest of the day has become a little more flexible, you know, yeah. without a commute. You know, being at home, it's like you, you know, on your five minute break, you do laundry, you know, <laughs> you start a thing of laundry and that sort of thing. And that's, and I, you know, I used to work from home. I used to be a freelancer for a long time. And so I know how you can let sort of chores take over your day. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, but, you know, getting back to the writing, I am revising the novel. I'm continuing to revise the same novel. I don't think... I'm doing it quite as um, rigorously or as much as I would hope to do. But I did manage, um, I have, my writing group has now met in March and we're meeting not this week, but the week after. And so I've turned in pages each time and that's been great. So I feel like that's helped me. You know, someone's, I have some accountability. Someone's waiting for the pages. That's always a good, a good thing to do. And the other sort of trick I did was printing out because I find that I can go, I don't know, sit in a hammock or sit on the couch with it. Yeah. And then yeah. it f- doesn't feel like I'm having to show up at the computer. Yeah. So psychologically. I still find it easier to have um, pages sitting on a couch than trying to hold the computer and get my elbows right to work on the keyboard. <laughs> yeah. And just to say to yourself, oh, you know, I'll just look at this for 10 minutes and yes. and then you get sucked into it, you know, and that, yeah. you know, it's kind yeah. of like putting on your gym clothes, <laughs> I guess. That's, that's exactly right. I find that that makes all the difference. If I say I'm going to, I'm going to show up um, and just do the first thing. And this was true before all of this crisis too. As much as I've been talking about how different things are and they are, I, my life is not that much different having worked writing at home before (laughs) I continue to, yeah, be able to chart my own days. It's just that the, the elephant in the room of the news is so great that it's, as you said, really distracting, but yeah, I do find that just doing that first thing, whatever it is, whether it's getting back into episode, you know, 48 on page 245, or what am I going to do about this particular storyline, just sitting down and opening the file or printing out those pages is um, really gets things going, which is yeah um, satisfying. It's nice. I do feel unsettled if by the end of the day, I have done no work on the writing. So right. it's all good to to check in and then the checking in can indeed lead to longer more productive time right right yeah i mean i don't yeah i don't think that there's an easy 
solution. There's nothing that's sort of like, this is the secret to it. I mean, I think, you know, if one of us had a contract, we would probably (laughs) find a way, (laughs) right? Well, it's true that with the Bible book, which is under contract, um, that's, that I have been um, seeing through the end. So I've been back and forth with the editor. Oh, so you've gotten more edits on that. So I knew you had turned in something. I didn't know it was back yeah, to you. has accepted all the edits and we're in the final stages. So oh, they're great. making the cover and we're going back and forth on that a little bit because I really like the, even the first pass they made with the exception of it had an image of God that was a white male God. And I get that that's the go-to image, but I I just, I want to resist that. And so, and they've been so great about going back and forth on cover design. So, so that's been good. Yeah, we're working out the final details of that. It should come out in February, which is fun. Yeah. Yes, that has been much easier to work on because there's a concrete agreement that I have that I want to make good on. Yeah. And, uh, and a wonderful editor and team there at Oxford that's been working well, all these guys in New York. And I do think about that too, during this time, this pandemic lockdown time, that the experience I think is very different for people depending on the circumstances of their immediate home and house. So in my case, we've got this, we've got some land and it has been rather neglected, certainly by me for the last years and years. And I have time right now and it's spring and the weather is nice to be able to go out and, you know, cut back invasive vines. And so, so I'm doing a lot of that. And I think if I didn't have any of this, like if I really had to stay inside if i lived in a high rise in a high density city my days would look very different and um yeah we we uh conversed with friends uh, you know in in different countries and they all were having very different experiences you know yeah yeah our, our friend who lives in nepal said he could only go out at night to go food shopping strange why night and i don't know <laughs> Wow. Lost in translation, perhaps. Yeah, I don't know. Perhaps. perhaps. Uh, I mean, it's, yeah. And then being in an apartment, I, it's very hard for me to imagine not having that outside. I mean, I think people can go outside and they could go shopping. Yeah. Or exercise. I under those circumstances, really diving into writing. But if people are in those circumstances unable, to concentrate and work on that. I totally get that too. Well, one of the people in my book group has three children, you know, under oh, the age of, you know, I don't know, six or something. And she oh. just, she looks exhausted. I mean, quite, yeah. it's like no one's at school. No one's at. Wow. And yeah. now, and now she's being asked to be their teacher. I mean, that's the interesting thing that's happening to a lot of parents is they're being asked yes. to, to take yeah. on that responsibility and, yeah. One thing I've been doing every day, which is really fun, is um, I've been taking music lessons online with a local, from a local place. And um, so it's a nice way of supporting some of our wonderful musicians in town. But also, it's a great creative outlet. So working on some songwriting. Great. Yeah, another kind of writing. And 
um, thinking about sound and sense. This is something poets do, I know, a lot. But as a, a writer predominantly of prose, I don't pay as much attention to that, although I love the sounds of words and um, the play of sound. But um, the songwriting lets me indulge that a little bit more. Do you, um, do you ever read your work out loud, your prose? Do, do I read it out loud? Yeah. Not unless I'm in a public environment. Yeah. Do you? Yes and no. Um, I've experimented with it before because I, I do find that's a good um, close edit technique, especially with the beginning. Yeah. To, to hear yeah. what it sounds like. And you can yeah. sometimes, if you start reading it out loud, and I've also had the computer voice read it. Oh, wow. I've never done that. And you do catch mistakes. I bet. So, so you are working some on the novel. Yes. Yes. And I think, um, yeah, it's been evolving. It's been useful to get feedback. And one of the things that was pretty, one of the pieces of feedback that I was working on this week is um, one of the writers in the group pointed out that I was kind of, um, so I have a male character and a female character, and I was kind of um, sort of having things happen with the woman, and then I would cut to the male point of view, and I would just cut to where we were in the scene, and he wouldn't, he would get kind of shortchanged. And so she said, make sure you give him more, you know, to experience more of the scene from his point of view. And I, I realized I was shortchanging him throughout the book. So that was, it was an interesting, it was a good eye-opening thing, which is the reason you do have people read. Yeah. And are you seeking to have a kind of 50-50 perspective? I don't think it'll wind up 50-50, but I, I was trying to be more even with it than I think yeah. I was. And I was, and, and I think they were just sort of basically saying, we still don't know who this person is because they're yeah. not getting enough so you're changing point of view? I do change point of view. So some some of it's from one and some of it's from the other. Yeah. One from the female point of view and some from the male point of view. So hmm. it's it's an interesting process. I still feel like the book, I, I feel like I have all the plot points. <laughs> yeah. And I think I'm okay with that, I think. But it feels like a big mess. <laughs> oh. And I just... It's hard for me to wrap my mind around the yeah. whole thing right now. So, does it help to break it down and draw things out in those, like having those plot points spelled out, what and why they're there? Do you do that kind of thing? Um, I do, and I did, and I was taking, um, I was trying um, a class. I don't know if you have read. Is it Lisa Crone? Um, I think she's got a TED talk called cool. Wild, Wired for Story. But she also has a thing on LinkedIn um, about creating creating the narrative and creating the plot, which I've, I've been finding very useful. Like she's got the whole notion, and I've done this a little bit when I've taken screenwriting, but sort of the um, and then and the whole notion that everything should be connected. Yeah. So every scene should make something else happen. You know what I mean? So the yeah. decisions yeah. that they make in a scene make something else happen. Yeah. So I think one of the things we can often do is that we say, oh, well, I'm having them go meet their friend for coffee. 
so that we know that they have a friend <laughs> and that they're going to tell their friend all about such and such, you know? Yeah. yeah. And in the end, it's kind of a waste of a scene, like nothing progresses. Mm-hmm in the story. And so the idea that you're really trying to make sure that you're putting in the scenes that are necessary to move the book forward. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's a lot of just about sort of how to make sure that a story, the plot is working. I have been in the past a little bit of a writing book addict um, because I find that sometimes people will give you a little kernel of something and you go, oh, yes. Oh, yes. I always, I feel like I always get something out of uh, writing book or also going and hearing, these are the beauty, this is the beauty of writing conferences. Um, even if I feel like, even if the topic is something I've heard discussed many, many times over, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm all, I always come away with a little nugget of something that's inspiring or helpful or a reminder of something that applies to what I may be wrestling with at the time. Yeah. Uh, So in my novel world, I'm trying to work in, um, back in, actually, because this is a novel that has seen so many different versions, a love storyline that I have kind of deleted or muted with this most recent version. And I thought when first presented with this, that it would be wouldn't really take much you know it'll be oh it won't be too much and then i got worried about length for the novel thinking oh man i don't want it you know i don't want to have to i don't want it to expand the novel beyond a point of you know acceptability as a just generic novel and the other is um that it starts teasing out you know you have to tease out exactly where and how the different scenes or parts of scenes mesh or don't with the existing narrative. So anyway, it's, I think it's really interesting putting in another uh, another storyline into a pretty tight story. Yeah. And I, yeah, I got, at first I thought, oh, it's going to be a piece of cake. And then I thought, oh my gosh, this is impossible. And now I'm somewhere in between. <laughs> Between between easy and impossible, yes, I think. Uh, yeah, and the truth of it, the way that I, I now I feel much better about it is back to just the nuts and bolts of sitting down and just starting, and just starting with okay, you know, where do these characters interact already in the narrative, and just even doing a word search. So doing a word search for this um, this love interest character, and just seeing where does he show up and what does he do there already. And then um, rather than, so part of me was thinking, oh, you know, what makes a good love story and what this, what needs to happen? It sometimes helps me to back up a little bit and say, what do I want to read? What do I, because I love a good love story. Mm-hmm. And so when I can frame it that way, what do I want to have happen? And what gives me, you know, what adds suspense, what adds intrigue um and then it just becomes more fun and now i think i'm finding you know you sort of drop little clues along the way or where i put up um obstacles for them and it's become more fun again but check in with me later and i'll follow you back in the depths of despair (laughs) as these things go yeah i i think i think 
vacillating between easy and um, impossible is 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 a genuine, you know, a feeling that almost everyone has as they as they edit. You know, I I do a very I try to do a very quick first draft, and and it has been a little bit strange to have a writing group read what was basically a first draft with a little bit of. I don't know, lipstick on the pig, <laughs> quite frankly. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll do a, I'll do a, an edit of it. Yeah. So it's not so wretchedly horrible, but in terms of flow or in terms of things, I'm still, still trying to decide things, yes. you know, and, and I was sort of, I was sort of having a discussion about that. It's sort of like, you know, in there I have a, you know, backstory of a, of a church shoot, a shooting at a church. And I've just never decided how many people are killed yeah and you know in the end okay if it's 12 or if it's 32 they're both horrible numbers right but I just have to decide right (laughs) so at some point you just have to make up your mind and then you have to go through and I did a lot of like shifting so I had set it up um I'd set the story near Ithaca where I'd spent you know in several weeks different different summer trips up there but I needed a city. So at one point I had, um, it'd be Rochester. And then I was like, no, it should be Syracuse. And so I changed but I didn't change it everywhere. So you have to sort of be like, okay, we made a decision Now you have to actually make that decision. <laughs> you know, it's just a very funny, I, I find revising can be sometimes, you know. Oh, it is. Just I, such have, a... I discovered just today that in this novel, I have an un, um, Un, unexplained gap of 10 years that during which um, some characters age and others do not. <laughs> Magic world. And this is not fantasy. So I'm like, whoa, wait a minute here. I have got to do a little bit of cleanup and explain where we, what what time we're in right now because I've changed it so many times. This oh. is the the challenge again with your revising we've talked about that before where you sort of lose track of in what version right right or you or you revise and then you then you change your mind and you revise and then then you don't you never clean it up i mean there's there's often things that just just haunt you and you just go what i mean i've, I've had before where i've just randomly started calling a, a character another name yeah I mean, clearly, I didn't like the name that they had originally. <laughs> it never stuck with me. But then it's suddenly like, who's this? You know? <laughs> you have to yeah. just go. I mean, thank God for find and replace. I mean, yes. If, if, yes. You, if you can figure out what you've done, <laughs> you can fix it. But it yeah. is. It's such a. It's such a messy sort of messy process. And I always think, oh, it's going to get better. You know, um, surely I'm going to get better at this. <laughs> but I don't it's know. Hard it's hard every time, and it's also transporting every time. I I'm always amazed at how um, engrossing the act of creating a story can be. Yeah. Um, and that yeah that keeps me going back to the page. But I think about during this writing during a pandemic episode about whether what I'm writing matters. So there's that. I I know when things first started really becoming, it, it, when it was becoming obvious, evident how terrible the situation 
yeah. is going to be for us in, in our country and around the world, I really couldn't write at all because it felt that every it felt like all my projects were completely futile. And what sense of business did I have doing such a frivolous thing anyway? Um, I've been able to return to some of the writing, but not nearly with the same kind of rigor as at other times in my writing life. But I think there's there's still something to to the creative act that is of value under any circumstance. Yeah, I mean, I I think I think um, what's very fascinating right now is how many people are reading and watching movies and watching artists you know do facebook live concerts i think art is something that makes us human and makes us connect with other people lets us connect lets us um be moved you know i think it um distracts people from their pain or their Yes. The situation and there, there's a so there's a, I think there's a great value in what we're creating now the act of creating is a separate sort of situation I mean we're not you know writing down a page and then feeding it over to someone to read to distract them so we've got that lag between yes yeah and that's something actually I'm sort of struggling with I think maybe it would I'm sort of motivated to write story for this time but I haven't done it because I feel like I kind of should keep on with the things that I have before me. We've talked about this before too, right? The inclination to start a new thing is a, a powerful one for me at any time. And yeah. so even now I think, oh, is that such a good idea? And I don't know. I think whatever, as long as one is doing, yeah. or just being, then it's enough. Yeah. Um, one of the things I was thinking about, you were talking about art in this time. I think people are recognizing how valuable stories are for finding one's way. That is that you are, I am hungry for characters that are navigating situations that not necessarily a pandemic, but that have common characteristics or common challenges with this time, whether it's living in close proximity with someone that you love and I think about oh my gosh all the different scenarios in which people are are caught in living tightly with mm-hmm. one the you know twelve people in a in a in a confined area mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what that looks like um, but yeah anyway there are just so many so many new challenges that this poses that stories can help us to navigate yeah 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 Yeah, and i it's sort of um it's just an interesting it's a very interesting time and i think that part of the reason to journal about it is that it changes um you know it changes constantly so like small things that you you sort of don't remember that they happened so it's like First, there was no, um, 
you know, Purell, right? And then there was no toilet paper. <laughs> and then and then some celebrity put, you know, how to make a mask out of a bandana. And they said, you should wear a mask. And all the bandanas were gone, you know. And so as soon as something sort of occurs to people that maybe they would need, it's gone. And so there's this whole thing of, you know, it's just very interesting, the evolution of what people are panicking about. Yeah. And, and what they feel that they must have right now in order to protect their family. And I sort of really sympathize with people. I feel like there's this whole notion of like, if only I have X, Y, Z, we're going to be okay. Yeah. Like you cannot buy a thermometer now. And I'm thinking probably most people own a thermometer, right? I mean, where I, I, I mean, I own one that's not very good. And so I thought, oh, maybe we should get a better thermometer, especially if they want you to, you know, take your temperature before you, I don't know, go into the store or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you can't buy one. They're all oh, gone. Yeah. They're all I'm gone. not gone seeking. But you're right. Those are the kinds of things that I think are worth, worth chronicling. Because I don't know if we would remember. I don't know if we're going to remember. I mean, someone yeah. else was talking about how she was sort of imagining forward a time when her grandchild would say, you know, why does grandma always wipe down all the grocery carts? <laughs> and then that her son would say she lived through the, you know, COVID-19. <laughs> and sort of like how my grandparents' experience with the depression yes. affected the way they raised my mother and the way my mother then raised me. I mean, I yeah. think we we experience these things and then we react and we just we decide this is the new normal yeah like yeah yeah and right now you know i guess there's a big movement to um towards self-sufficiency which i applaud um but I can see that it's also creating some problems as people rush to buy all the seeds, for instance. Oh, and all the flour and all the yeast. Well, I do find it really amusing. So, I mean, I, I grew up, um, you know, learning how to cook dinner you know, when I was eight and um, sort of um, a quilt as a, as a kid. <laughs> you know, and so all these skills are suddenly sort of required Yes. And I do find it so funny. My neighbor said, we have seeds if you need any. And I said, well, thank you. But we already planned our garden. <laughs> like, we don't have any other room. Like, we were going to plant stuff anyway. Oh, so yeah. it does feel sort of amusing. Um, yeah. It, yeah. You know, just to be, to see people all, seeing something that you normally do is very valuable suddenly. Yes. That's yeah. nice. But at the same time, you're like, ah. Uh, well, it's disconcerting. You mentioned yeast. You know, I I make our own bread, and I went finally to the grocery store. You know, in one of these very occasional runs to buy things, and one was I was going to buy some yeast, and I specified that I didn't want the instant yeast. I like just plain old active dry, and they brought to me instant yeast. I said, No, no, I, what I'm looking for is just active dry. They were all out. Um, I guess it was amazingly heavy, the um, instant. Anyway, I've gone back to starting some sourdough starter. Yeah. Which I haven't, I haven't done sourdough bread since I was, I don't know, in my teens, I think, but maybe in my 20s. But I 
and for you listeners out there, that's a long time ago. <laughs> I um, I found it. I just didn't eat that much bread. You know, you're feeding the starter and making yeah. bread and so on and so forth. So I thought, you know what? I, I don't eat that much bread. Oh, I just my I, my husband I think got into it in um, either twenties or thirties or something, and just. It was an obsessive, it was like, you know, we had a baby or something. It was this constant, constant trauma about whether it was going to expire. Yeah, but <laughs> and, I am. And, gonna, because I don't have any yeast, I'm going to... Yeah, and he was, no, and he, but he was also, you know, didn't, hadn't done a lot of baking. And I think, you know, part of the process of learning how to bake is that you make a lot of terrible things in yes, that process bread, yeah, yeah because you don't you yeah there's a lot of interesting things he's a very very good cook but he doesn't do a lot of baking and so oh. he tends to approach baking the way he approaches cooking which is <laughs> these ingredients are optional <laughs> <laughs> yeah the yeah. amounts yeah. are suggestions <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah they are very different endeavors they're very different it's a much more mathematical yeah. but i did it, i do have yeast I had yeast already, and I, um, but I hadn't made bread in a really long time, and I ended up making my own um, bread the other day, and just sort of that experience of kneading it and, you know, letting it rise, it was very interesting. I can see why people find it compelling. There's a lot of satisfaction in these things, um, yeah. growing, you know, growing your own food and being able to make bread, sewing, like you said, I mean, it really... So on the upside, I think if folks are discovering those those activities, um, that's that's nice. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think. I mean, it will be interesting to see. Um, and also, the other thing. I mean, I know we, you know, you have written a lot and thought a lot about climate change. It's very fascinating in this time to sort of both be, you know, thinking about how many people we've lost we are well over 20,000 deaths and you know hundreds of thousands of people who have it at the same time to see oh when we all don't drive around all the time and factories aren't going all the time the earth quickly heals itself and the pictures for instance of Los Angeles and how clear it is (laughs) yeah and you wonder what that impact will be if people think, oh, well, yeah. this is what happens. Yeah. Yeah, there are two major environmental issues that preoccupy me. One of them is climate change related to the kinds of things you're talking about. And the other is the um, is waste and plastic waste in particular. And that's one that right now I just, I, it's, I don't even want to think about the museum amounts of the, the 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 hope that I have is that people have the experience of making their own bread and then see the value in having good bread, but also of um, paying a fair wage to people who make it. Um, you know, all this sort of stuff that we're kind of understanding. The whole notion of everyone deserves to be able to go to the hospital if they're sick and they yeah. shouldn't have to go into debt, you know. Yeah. Um, the air should be clean. You know, yeah. that kind of stuff. I think it's just a fascinating, fascinating t- 
time. And it's hard, it's hard because you don't want to say, oh, well, the upside of COVID-19, <laughs> because right. quite frankly, for many people, there's no, there's no upside, you know, they, yeah. they've lost a loved one or they're sick or, you know, or, you know, so I think it's, it's, it's such a challenge right now. And that I think is probably why, um, when a literary agent said, I can imagine after this, there will be probably 10,000 really horrible novels about coronavirus and one really amazing one. (laughs) But because I think people are going to be excited about that tension between, you know, the before and after and the good. It's sort of like writing whatever, writing a romance that's takes place in Auschwitz. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, or there's a very um, sort of tight way you have to walk before it's in a horrible taste, you know, and it's 90% going to be in horrible taste, but maybe it will be beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And taking that chance um, and having yeah. someone who's really a wonderful storyteller tell that story, it could just be, you know, yeah. mind-blowing. The, um the journaling or chronicling some of what the details of concrete daily ordinary experience in this extraordinary time could be really um, would enable a person to write a true story and in the truth would be at last impact and power. I think that's what I think we, we, um, sense in a really great story is something deeply deeply true so for somebody to write out of it doesn't even have to be their experience but knowledge a concrete real Mm -hmm. experience would be maybe the the stuff that sets the one apart that you described from from the horrible the horrible ones (laughs) but there are so many like you said it's really um, rich for the imagination. Yeah. So many different ways to be thinking about what what people's experience is right now and then also um, what to do with that. Right. What, and I think one of the one of the most confusing things, um, and I, I, I feel like I, I heard a lot about this with World War II, is that people were asked to contribute. You know, they were, you know, save things and and do things and raise money and send your children to war and all sort of thing and i think here except unless you are you know in um in healthcare, yeah or you work at a grocery store or do deliveries for the most part we're just asked to stay out of the way yeah and don't get sick because that would be a pain (laughs) for everybody yeah. And so I think that's a very confusing. I think there's a desire for people to do things, you know. I do too. I do too. And I think with better central leadership, some of that could happen. Yeah. Because I, I was horrified to hear how much food waste there is right now. Yeah. Farmers who don't have workers to bring the food in, distributors to get it out, and at the very same time, so much hunger. Millions of people need. going hungry, desperately trying to make ends meet. Yeah. Yeah, and those sorts of issues. And and so, yeah, it is hard to, and I think it is hard to, you, you sort of read the news for 15 minutes and then you say to yourself, why am I working on this manuscript again? I don't, I don't, 
this doesn't seem like it's going to be helpful <laughs> to fight this. So I think it's, it's a, it is, it's a very, it's a very challenging time to be an artist. It's a challenging yeah. time to be a human being, quite frankly. Yeah. yeah. But it may be in that as an artist that people who are engaged in creative endeavors can provide lasting value because, you know, what is life but suffering? <laughs> um, and I mean that in, a, in the most sort of Buddhist way that is, you know, a sort of grasping after that there's always something we have this nagging sense of wanting or wishing and that that is things would be just a little bit different if it were just this then my life would be fine if i could just have that one love my life would be fine. if i could get that job get that book contract and um this is a time when our our desire our wishing and wanting i think are brought in stark relief mm-hmm. so to be able to create out of that may be valuable down the road with others. Yeah. Yeah, I think that um, also, I mean, it's hard to keep coming back thinking about the Depression and also World War II, but I do feel that World War II for sure was a time that was horrible, horrible, horrible things happened. But a lot of people felt more alive, I think, than than they did during, you know, the 50s of just consumer, buy, 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 buy drive around in your car and so I think there is a moment of just realizing the value of living and the value of others and the longing for others and a gathering that you know as my teenager said I think there's going to be a big party when all of this is over and I said (laughs) maybe Or maybe there's no more big parties. I mean, maybe that's that's it for that. Like, we just say, no, <laughs> sorry, not more than 10 people. <laughs> I don't know. Make it big and keep it at 10. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to edit your friends. You have to edit down your friends. <laughs> yeah. oh, but no. I think you brought up an interesting point about the, the, the desire or the satisfaction of being able to give back, being asked to give, to do something to help. I did see, I think it was, I'd have been in the New York Times, uh, instructions for how to sew a face mask. Oh, and I did. (laughs) Yeah, and that, why not? You know, people can do that. And another is is growing some food. People are taking the initiative, though, which is cool. Yeah. We're trying to minimize their their need on the whole mm-hmm. so that others may have more somebody observed how heartwarming it is to see the online community is primarily positive these mm-hmm. days exchanges it seems it's brought out a lot of love and kindness and support which is expressions of those things which is so great well, I hope that is true. I do also think that um, Twitter and Facebook have also clamped down on a lot of things because, you know, it can actually be argued that misinformation does cause tremendous harm yes, and can kill people. So I think they've been more um, fierce about Good. trying to clamp down. But we'll see. I don't know. I do think it does, um, you know, it's hard 
as I said, it, you know, I have seen a lot of people complain that their days are boring and that they're stuck with their families. But I saw that more at the beginning. And now that so many people have lost somebody and have become sick themselves, I think it becomes, you start to see that as a little bit taking endless selfies on your Bahamas vacation. <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh, it's cloudy today. Woe is me. <laughs> it just doesn't, it seems in very poor taste. <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll see if hopefully we'll bring out the better parts of humanity. And I do love that scientists and doctors are our heroes and nurses and um, people who provide food and and suffering. Those are all people that are being revered and and they should be and they should be and we should be appreciating them. And I do feel like science, we can, we can figure this out. We can prevent this, you know, we can stop this. It's just going to take a while because science is not instantaneous. Yeah, yeah, there are lots of very qualified, super smart folks diligently working away. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And making real progress, which is great. And meanwhile, writers keep writing out there. Jot down your notes about the days. Give us stories that feed us and inspire us. Yeah, think ahead. And I think... Um, and I think, yes, I think writing and creating um, is part of what makes our time on earth uh, more valuable and more enjoyable. And so don't feel guilty if you take an hour and work on your manuscript because um, we need you to do it. <laughs> yeah, to carry on out there. And, and you, Meredith, it's great to visit. It was great to talk to you and hopefully we can get back to other you know celebrating others books uh next month and if we can't we will forgive ourselves (laughs) (laughs) more more writing conversation ahead no matter what exactly well thanks so much for joining us and catch up with you soon